following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. Welcome, everybody, to the Broken Helmet recording Monday, Monday night, new week, here, July 20th, 19th, actually, I've actually kicked over from the 19th to the 20th in the process of of getting everything up and moving. You know, I suck, because I think as I stated in episode zero... I wanted to do the podcast with a little bit more routine and on a schedule so it could be posted because, as I said, I thought that, you know, the good podcasts always had a nice schedule that you could follow and get behind so that you could adjust your lip listening habits accordingly. And so, uh, what do I do? Yeah, I'm going to get things out in the morning. And now it's Tuesday. Tuesday, it's not Monday anymore. It's not the 19th, it's the fucking 20th. <sighs> eventually, eventually, however, I'll be able to steer the ship straight. Steer it straight. But I hope everybody's weekend went well, or your yesterday, whenever the hell you might be listening to this. And as for the NFL, we continue on the slow-moving grind toward the season. And I mean slow. It is slow. There's a little something something here and there, but man, not a lot. Not a lot. You got people digging in the crates for anything they can find. I mean, it's going to be... You're just going to get a ton of fantasy stuff right now, which makes sense because, I mean, with August coming up, this is fantasy football season as discussed previously, so you're going to hear a lot of that going forward. And you're going to start hearing a lot more stuff out of camps, uh, give, give or take a week. I think we're a week away now. Either one or two weeks away. Uh, it's 20th now, so it's, it's kick up uh, here in about a week. and Definitely not two weeks. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Year should be good. Uh, a lot of movement in the offseason. Uh, obviously, there could have been a lot more, uh, given the Rodgers and Watson situations that never materialized. However, there still was solid movement, and everybody's kind of getting the itch here to see what all that movement, uh, the impact it might have had on the NFL come here in Jump Street in 2021. And now it's just a uh, a constant ticking of the clock as we wait for actual shit to happen instead of just grasping at straws. But is what it is. With uh, all of that said, we'll dig in here some of the stuff that happened around the league. And I guess we will start off with the Packers lost a little bit of money. This year. Oh, yes, they did. What did you expect, though? Really? Seriously? I mean, the truth of the matter is is that nobody was in these stadiums last year. So when the Packers, the only public team that posts their revenue, comes out and says that they lost $38.8 million in 2021, you know, I mean, what do you come to expect? Of course they did. I guess the, the 
biggest part of the story, however, the one of the most significance, most materiality, if you will, is that it the local revenue is what really fell off a cliff. Because the Packers in 2020, with no fans in the stadium, etc., I guess the local revenue losses totaled up to $149.1 million, right? And I think it was a uh, it was a 70% plunge from what their 2019 numbers were. And uh, hold on, let me pull this up here. The numbers were $211 million for 2019, down to 62 million last year. And there you go. There's your 71% plunge. However, nobody's going to cry at all for any NFL team because these guys rake in the cashier. I mean, all day. Every day. And with the television contracts cemented, uh, what's one year lost in the wind? I mean, yeah, it sucks. It's not going to have a big impact overall. I mean, you know, it's just something that you're just going to have to live with and move on, just like everybody else in the goddamn nation, because everybody's feeling it, including this guy right here going on 16, 17, 16, 17, 18 months. I don't even know what it is. Uh, it was two, I'm on six, like it's 14 months, no gig. So, yeah, I ain't shed no tears for the Green Bay Packers. But they lost a lot of money in 2020, and that'll all come back uh, hand over fist in 2021 because as everybody knows right now in the summer as you can tell the people have stocked up their money and they are spending it baby right out the door next up let's go michael irvin if you haven't heard this story this is a little ridiculous so michael irvin comes out and i think it was fox maybe it was fox fox sports illustrated some podcast i didn't write down but he comes out and says that basically if you don't get vaccinated, you don't want to win badly enough in the NFL. You are a stupid asshole. That's exactly what he is. Mikey, come on. Let's let, let's be honest here. Getting vaccinated, not getting vaccinated has nothing to do with your passion for winning, right? And I have tried over the past year uh, with all the podcasts recorded with my brother, to not make things political, although it's funny to laugh at some of the politics because it really is fucking ridiculous how much politics and political stances have filtered their way into everyday life. I mean, it's everywhere you go. It's like, I mean, come on, enough already. And now here it is in the NFL yet again, and trying to make this, if you don't get vaccinated, you don't want to win badly enough. No, there's a lot of questions out there. And I don't want to go down this path too long but I will say I got the two shots I didn't want the two shots I actually wanted to wait a year or so to let everybody else get them because while doing the research I know that this stuff has been in you know vaulted since about 2008 I think is when they started doing the mRNA testing and it was just kind of dusted off and then updated and whatever the technology is behind it so it's not like it just came out of the blue. It still was just an unfinished product, right? And I don't want to put an unfinished product in my body. I put enough crap in my body as it is. I don't need to put something concocted in a lab for a bat, pack along, whatever, lab-created something. If it was lab-created, again, I don't want to get into politics. Um, I don't want to put anything 
from a lab into my body until everybody else has been the guinea pigs, right? That's the deal. I didn't want to do it. But I've got two kids. I'm 45. I figure, you know, how much time do I really have left? I'd rather, uh, you know, be here as long as I could for them rather. And, you know, maybe I end up, you know, being, uh, you know, while I can't produce any more kids, so I don't have to worry about that, right? That's one of the concerns. You can't have kids. And uh, what's some other things? Uh, you know, Alzheimer as well. I, I mean, uh, who knows? I I have half a brain left as it is anyway, so <laughs> what do I give a shit if uh, I'm just stuttering and can't complete sentences at uh, 65 years old, right? For the short term, at least, I should be here for the kids if I happen to get the thing, right? That's the idea behind it. But to bring it full circle back to Michael Irvin, n- none of that has to do with wanting to win or not. There's just so many other thought processes that go into whether or not you want to get this certain vaccine thrown into your body. And I, you know, but whatever, he's a sports guy who's now a broadcaster and you want to generate headlines and clicks and numbers and attention to yourself. Well, you know, (laughs) bring up politics. Good way to do it. He got it. And I couldn't give a shit what he really had to say to begin with, but it did generate headlines, so I mentioned it. Melvin Ingram. So, Melvin Ingram, 32 years old now. However, great player for the Chargers over the years. Three-time Pro Bowler, etc. He went into the Steelers today and automatically signed. They put his name on the dotted line and just kept him there. Which was a great signing. I know they lost Bud Dupree, but one of the Steelers' strengths has always been their defense. And Ingram has, I mean, look, you know, over the course of a year, three-time Pro Bowler, maybe he's not Hall of Fame material. I mean, he's not Hall of Fame material. However, a three-time Pro Bowler, 32 years old, still got a little tread on the tires. And with the Steelers who run great schemes, should be able to contribute very positively to their defense. And seeing how not a lot of people have faith in their offense this year, I guess defense might be, you know, the linchpin for the team's success. Uh, can there be a linchpin for the team's success being a defensive unit? I don't know if that works, but I just put it together and I'm going with it. So if it doesn't, um, no good. And uh, if it does, then I'm a fucking genius. I cursed a lot today. I think it's just because it's late. I shouldn't. Uh, you should wash your mouth out with soap there, Richie. Wash it out. But anyway, so Ingram goes to the Steelers, and that's a solid signing on their part. And we'll see if that pays some dividends uh, in production there and replaces uh, Bud Dupree. Saquon Barkley, and I could go off and off and off on this because I'm a giant fan. I will just keep it short. Uh, He has come out and will not put a timetable on his return. He is unsure about week one and whether he'll get there. The Giants obviously took the fifth-year option on Saquon because they really don't know what they have. And with running backs, we all know what the trajectory for their careers have been out of college. You do one, you do two, you fight and fuss in three to try to get the the deal signed in three because at four, it ends up being D-Day, right? Because if you don't get it done at three, four is usually when they hold out because they don't want to get to the fifth year because that's the player option and they want to keep that one year in their pocket. So the idea is to do three and get this done. Saquon obviously injured couldn't do that. So now he's going to go into fourth with no leverage, 
which obviously that's not what happened with per se Zeke Elliott because he had the good third year and leveraged that to a monster contract and fell off the cliff, right? So he got the payday, and then it was all over, Johnny. Or, let's hope so, Giant fans. Uh, Cowboy fans obviously feel a little bit different. But, um, uh, same with, right, McCaffrey, same deal. Uh, Kamara, I think, did the same deal. So, Saquon now goes into four. He's got no leverage. The Giants say, well, you're not going to you know, knock out the four and then do it, so we'll just take the fifth-year option, uh, giving us the ability kind of to strong-arm you at least to see if you can do it twice before we give you even more money. Um, and now Saquon just comes out and is like, ah, I'm not sure I'm going to be ready for week one. I'm looking good. I think Giants Inside the Podcast that I listened to said they, uh, they, they thought they had heard that he was training well again. If fans are butts, candies and nuts, Christmas all year long. <laughs> um, but it really is just questionable for any running back coming off an ACL, much less any skill position player. I think somebody like Saquon is going to have a lot of question marks until people actually can see him perform on the field because, I mean, the guy was all athleticism, right? It was all athleticism. It was how big, strong, fast he was. I've always been critical of his want to spin and do Barry Sanders-esque moves instead of moving upfield. Um, I just don't think he was... He's as quick or nimble, I should say, as a Sanders was. Infinitely more strong. Um, although that's questionable because Barry was really strong too. I mean, he just didn't barrel over people because he wasn't as big and it wasn't his style, but he was super strong. Um, anyway, I, as critical as I've been of Barkley, he's a great talent. I just don't know if that talent will translate to multi-year success. And I think we'll all have to just wait until he can get on the field. Him obviously saying he doesn't know if he's going to return, you know. So be it. He he better return because, you know, he better return and put up numbers because then you give him a little bit more leverage. If he doesn't, and it's just one of these ham-handed, uh, ham-handed? I don't think that's it right. Uh, but if he has one of these middling seasons and then all of a sudden it goes into the fifth season and he wants more money, I you know, it's just going to be a complete nightmare for the Giants going into 2022. But that's the case. And speaking of the Giants, there was a funny story in uh, a lot of these headlines I have appeared multiple places. I pulled this one uh, from Pro Football Talk. What had to do with John Mara, and if you have not heard about this story, it was related to Jerry Jones, John Mara, the owners, going into the negotiation uh, room with the Players Union trying to get 18 games on the season. And this is just typical Jerry Jones. I mean, this guy has the utmost confidence. I, You know, like you've seen the, the, the TV show Dallas and you've heard all the Dallas stereotypes. When I think of like Dallas oil, Dallas millionaire, billionaire, I just think of Jerry Jones, right? This over-the-top, cocky, brash, you know, uh, uh, dude with a southern draw, right? Uh, I mean, I it's just, that's where my mind goes. Oh, Texas uh, oil man, yeah, Jerry Jones, that's it. So, as the story goes... Uh, John Maris says, we're in separate rooms. The players are in one. The owners are in the other. Jerry Joe says to me, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to sell them on 18 games. Maris turns to Jerry and says, you had no chance of doing that. He said, Jones responds back, you watch me. 
And Mara retorts, Jerry, if you go in there and sell them on 18 games, I will wear a Cowboys jersey in Times Square every day for the next week. So I guess they all go in there. And as soon as Jerry Jones mentions 18 games, the response is, no way, absolutely not. We're not even discussing it. Game over. And we're takes for nothing. I, they got 17 games. It's just funny that Jerry Jones, uh, you know, as confident and uh, an individual as he is, failed so miserably. And it wasn't even entertained. It was just kiboshed right out of the gate. We're not discussing it. it it'll get there. 18 games. I, I mean, I, I think everybody is under the impression that 18 games will happen at some point. I don't know when. They got the 17. They'll get the 18. Uh, but Jerry thought he could get it done a little bit faster than it was naturally going to happen. There was a sad story, actually, I saw. Fantasy football players probably remember him more so than the average NFL fan. Cowboy fans will remember him a lot more. And then the the NFL football fan that watches pretty routinely, uh, they're probably going to be involved in fantasy football. So there's overlap there. But Marion Barber, the Barbarian, he was a big dude. Real like he used to run over people, and I think that uh, pro football talk referred to him as Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch. But he was a, a kind of a punishing running back, and you know there were several over the years. It was, he was not as big as per se that like the Barry Words and the Christian Nikoyas. He was just different, but he was a very strong north south runner. And yeah, I think he had a. Did he have a Pro Bowl? He might have had a Pro Bowl year. I don't, I don't know the stats offhand, but I guess he's having a pretty rough time. Des Bryant has been talking about it, and he basically, I he was something over Twitter and said something to the effect that Marion Barber was really struggling and having a tough time, and he just got out of the league. I mean, he he wasn't out that long. I mean, he wasn't. He was in the league, and it wasn't that long ago that he was in the league. And I don't have his numbers up here, but there's been reports of him having mental health issues, police-related incidents. And again, it used to be, he used to say, right, like, rappers and wrestlers used to expire quicker than most folks. And now football players are kind of getting rolled into that grouping and it's kind of rappers, wrestlers, and football players. And football players are getting in there now because obviously there has been mental health issues. There has been suicide issues. There has been a lot of negative factors and of course many of these get linked to CTE. And that obviously is just a story that will continue into the future. Until, I I mean, I, I don't know where it goes, right? I, I know that when CTE first came out, the initial thoughts were that this is really going to impact the future in the sport to the point that it football might not even be football in decade, two decades, whatever it might be. I don't think that extreme scenario would play out only because people ultimately, once they're 18... They have the choice to do whatever they want to do. So if they want to go to college and continue their career, then they can. If they choose not to, so be it. Now, it might impact the lower levels, which obviously would impact the feeder system into high school, etc. But, I mean, I can't foresee 
professional football going anywhere. And if professional football doesn't go anywhere, college football doesn't go anywhere, which means the lower levels don't go anywhere. Because even as much as parents don't want their children to suffer, they will obviously, as they've been doing in the past, has it been a decade now? Been adjusting all of the youth football practices and approach to to soften the contact to the extent of saving potential CTE impacts. I mean, triples, doubles, all that stuff. I don't know how it plays out right now on a national level, but I know that a lot of the stuff that I did when I played high school football doesn't even exist anymore. So, you know, I think padded practices are limited. I don't even know if they can have them during the week. Um, But everything has changed ever since CTE broke, and for good reason. And you see stories like this, Marion Barber, uh, you know, I mean, of course, in years past, Junior Seau was another one. The linebacker for, I forgot his name, for the Chiefs that ended up committing suicide, if I remember the story correctly, on Chiefs ground. There has been a lot of these stories, uh, unfortunately. And Marion Barber is just one of the more recent ones that hit the newswire. And that's too bad. Because he was a good player. I don't know. You know, maybe he was a complete shitbag as a person. I don't know, nor do I care. But it's sad when you hear any stories come out of somebody who obviously must have altered his persona from point A to point B. And people obviously wonder why. And you can inject any kind of thoughts in there. The primary one that I think that everybody then comes to mind with an NFL player is CTE. So, uh, unfortunately for Marion the Barber, it's not working out well. It's also not working out well for Mark Bedain, the Raiders team president. And here's the Raiders yet again in a story that's questionable, head-scratching, weird. So, Mark was with the team for 30 years, right? And he got the team president job in 2015 full-time. I think he took it in 2013. Amy Trask used to be the team president, and then she retired. She retired, left, retired, same thing. She left, retired in 2013. I think he had a two-year interim interim period where he owned the title, and then he became the full-time, almost positive in 2015. So five years later, he just decides, I'm done. I'm hanging it up. That's all she wrote. Game over, man. It's game over. And there's a couple of weeks before the training camp start, like we mentioned, or a week, and he just bolts, which is just really weird. And thinking back to the NFL draft, thinking back to some of uh, the other stories that have helped build the rumor that the Raiders are complete, flat-out broke. The... You start to wonder whether people in the in a position such as team president with a indentured coach such as uh, uh, Chucky. Oh my God! Why can't I uh, remember his name? I, I remember his Chucky again. It's because I'm recording this damn thing late, and I sound like an absolute idiot. But John Gruden is in there. He's in, he's there for the next ten years, right? You're not going to fire him when you're paying him a hundred million over 10, 10 each year. Um, so he's in there. There's probable money issues between Mike Mayock and John Gruden, their drafting styles. Things are not going smoothly at all. They did get a fantastic stadium in Vegas, but then COVID just hit you, and you didn't even get to open this thing correctly. So 
things have not been going good, and you wonder whether or not somebody who's been with the elite in with the team for thirty years has had this team president position. But you got to deal with Gruden, his disasters, uh, Mayock. Even though I think Mayock's a good guy, I just don't know if he was the pick. Uh, again, league insiders would know way more than Richie over in Bergen County, New Jersey. However, one would think that the lack of draft production coupled with the basically the uh, lottery that you gave, the lottery sum that you gave to Gruden has made the job of team president rather difficult. So he gets up and leaves. And uh, for me, it's just... It's the Raiders having another crazy shit story, and it just isn't. It never stops. It never stops with the Raiders. And you thought maybe the one thing that Gruden could give them, even if he took a hundred million dollars from them, was a little bit of consistency. And the only thing Gruden has produced is inconsistency and questionable moves left and right. I mean, God, the drafts have been so bad. Uh, but anyway, so. Um, Happy trails, uh, Mark, and enjoy your retirement, even though you're probably going to work for another team. And the final story, which is great. If you have not heard about this new trend, it existed, I think, basically kind of outside of the NFL and definitely outside of rights holders. But people loved to do alternate broadcasts. And I know that people have been doing them on YouTube for quite a bit. I loved the idea. Originally had talked when I had started this uh, podcast doing prep shows with uh, with, with Todd Counselor. Counselor, where are you at? Uh, 2016? 2016 or 2015? We'd do prep shows uh, on his couch or on my couch in our, our, his house, my apartment. Um I know that we had talked about wouldn't it be cool to do an alternate broadcast of a game and just you do the play-by-play or however you want to do the uh, play-by-play. Maybe you don't do a play-by-play. Maybe you do a chat, fireside chat, if you will, about the game um, and looked into it a little bit. And the problem, obviously, is timing because if you're going to broadcast anything, you're going to leverage the Internet to uh, try to maximize uh, that idea, uh, it's not gonna. You're not gonna do it with radio waves, right? So you're gonna leverage the internet, and there's gonna be a delay. Now, there, I did find a way that it would work. I, obviously, there's a delay, delay something. Oh man, I used to know the name of it, but it's a device that inserts a delay into the broadcast that you're watching, so that. If you have a 30-second delay with your uh, with, with your internet broadcast, it would delay the TV 30 seconds to time it all up, and or or maybe it was vice versa, one way or the other. De- delay cast, I forget what it was, but um, and I thought, oh man, that would really work because then you could do that, and then other people started doing similar things, and I said, well, you know, it would be fun to kind of do that, you know, the delay and and a Originally, I think this was devised so that you could listen to the radio broadcast to go along with the TV. So I don't know if it would have worked that way because the radio was ahead of the TV because of the TV delay. And I think that that slowed down the radio broadcast. So maybe it never worked. Point being, alternative broadcasts have been very hot. There's an app called Hot Mic that you can find that they used to have a lot of uh, alternate game broadcasts. 
broadcast rights fees end up coming into play here because obviously the teams say, hey, if you ain't paying us, you are not going to be able to broadcast our games and command money from it. So Hot Mike, while it was big for maybe a year, died out rather quick. And I know that they still have games. I haven't tried to listen to it. I was trying to do giant games on it. Um, and whether or not they still exist, I'm not sure. I know that the app still exists. I think now they do live live TV shows, a whole bunch. You'd have to download it and look into it if you're into the alternate broadcast idea uh, because there is some content out there. It just has to match up with the content you want to watch. But ESPN and Peyton Manning have come together, and while they wanted Peyton Manning for the Monday night football gig, Peyton Manning can do whatever the hell he wants to do because he's Peyton Manning, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need the money. And so he comes up uh, with the negoti- with the deal with ESPN to do a Monday night alternative broadcast with Eli, bring the brother along, and they'll do a not not a typical play by play broadcast that will still remain on ESPN, and they will just do kind of like I mentioned the fireside chat. So you'll be able to watch the game on ESPN with your typical broadcast or on ESPN2 with the new Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, let's just hang out, have a couple of beers and bullshit broadcast. And they're calling it the Megacast. And man, um, Gil Anderson somewhere must just be crying in his, well, uh, I mean, he does well for himself, and I shouldn't say be crying, but Gil Anderson, a Beat in the Book podcast, is probably laughing quite a bit every time he hears Megan cast <laughs> because Gil, Gil Alexander came out with the Mega cast. I don't even know how long ago, and it was the first time I had heard of Mega insert, uh, you know, uh, production here. And now there's mega everything. And there is no doubt in my mind he was the first one uh, to come up with that kind of, coin that kind of phraseology, even though I couldn't prove that. But I, I listen to a lot of content across the spectrum, TV, radio, podcasts, and I never heard mega anything until he started talking about the, I heard of Mega Man. Mega Man was good. Great, great game. A uh, great couple of games, right? I think Mega Man 1, 2, 3. I don't know when I stopped playing it. Maybe 4 or 5. Because after that, it just got a little repetitive. Like, how many blank mans can you know? Fan Man, Leaf Man, Fire Man. Like, okay, we get it. Fucking Mega Man. But, um, you know, obviously, Gil came up with what I remember to be the first uh, Mega Anything. And that was his Megapod for his Beating the Book podcast. I think he does it on Thursday with a whole bunch of other... Uh, Vegas Sharks, uh, bets, odds makers, etc. It's it, great podcast. Go listen to it if you're into gambling. Uh, so Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Megacast on ESPN2 for Monday Night Football. And that is the stories around the league right now. Again, it is a slow, slow, slow crawl. However, it's almost over. And... Seeing that there wasn't a lot to work with on a bigger story, I really started thinking into, okay, I want to do something with my brother possibly in the next week or two, at least before the beginning of the season, as to a, this might be your year team, right? Whatever it turns out to be. But the constant year over year, this is the year. So think about all your failure teams. 
your Lions, uh, your, uh, I, I don't know, what are some other teams? Uh, Dolphins, they've been terrible uh, recently. Your uh, Raiders, right? Uh, well, they went to the Super Bowl in 2000, but, um, you know, your Bears. Uh, well, they went to the Super Bowl in 2004, five. Uh, you know what I'm driving at, right? This is the year. This is the year we do it. This is the year we absolutely positively stink. And I thought, you know, there's one of the teams that you would say this is their year. And I thought the complete opposite. And so we head out to the great city of Cleveland as the Browns have just a ton of excitement around their football club this year. I mean, if you think of any of the teams that people have been kind of locked in on and evaluating and saying, you know, this is it. Browns probably are at the top of the list. I mean, because other people, you know, Ravens make some moves. Well, the Ravens have been there. Um, you know, the Patriots have a bad year. They turn around. Well, the Patriots have been there for 20 fucking years, so nobody cares about them either. Uh, the Dolphins turn, you know, turn it around. Well, okay, maybe. You know, Bills turn it around. Ah, small market. Cleveland is one of these historic franchises that, especially the city of Cleveland, and remember before the uh, um, Cavaliers and LeBron won that championship, Cleveland had nothing. I mean, their sports teams. Historic, the best thing that came out of the sports teams was Major League. <laughs> it was a movie. A great fucking movie, too. Um, Joe Boo, Get My Rum. You know, uh, I, I whatever. There's, I, I'm not going to go into uh, lines because I'm forgetting them. And it's just not organic when you try to come up with lines and completely forget. However, Major League was a great movie. Go watch it. And that was the best thing I can remember out of any of those teams. And it was a fictional movie. But this year, different. Browns coming around. And they have done a tremendous amount since last year. And last year was a great improvement, right? Kevin Stefanski comes in. He takes over the reins and ends up marching the Browns to the first playoffs appearance since 2002, right? So you're, you're looking at an 18-year hiatus, and then they finally get to, to the playoffs? I mean, fantastic. And people have been really pushing for Stefanski to get the head the head coaching job, and then he gets one. And, and even though the, the roster did have talent on it, he you know gets it into the playoffs. So that is a called a, a good ROI. Your return on investment in Kevin Stefanski paid off with a nice little playoff entry. Uh, it didn't work out. They they did not uh, win the Super Bowl. However, they got in, and every little step is positive. And so what do they do? They go out, and they make a whole shit ton of moves going into Jump Street. And we'll go down. I mean, we'll, we'll start off. I mean, the first one, obviously, is they locked up John Johnson. John Johnson from the Rams was a spectacular signing. Three years, $33 million for a top-tier Secondary talent. I mean, awesome. And remember, they they started trying to build the defense way back with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. I mean, they've slowly been building this with superstars that they've done through the draft. A lot of people are in agreement with me, if not everybody, 
that the draft is the way to go, right? You you can do free agency, if you will, but free agency should be complementary to what you do year over year through the draft. If you build your team straight through free agency, it never works out. It just, it's been proven not to work. I, I mean, it just, with the cap and the rest of it, it just doesn't. Um, obviously, you've got to make big plays for quarterbacks if you don't have them, uh, you know, and that, and that can cost you in free agency, but... Historically speaking, the teams that continue to succeed are the ones that draft well. And they started doing solid drafts with the likes of Ward and with uh, with Garrett. So they signed John Johnson. So there's a free agency signing to complement stuff that they're doing in the draft. And then they turn around and then they continue to do solid draft moves as they pick up Greg Newsom at pick 26, right, out of Northwestern. Fantastic pick. Jumped all over it. So now they're going to slide John Johnson and Greg Newsom into the secondary. But wait, there's more. Because they turn around after that, or before that, I, I don't know the timing of it, but they also add Troy Hill from the Rams. So you're taking two people out of, out of the Rams, and they were solid players, and taking them and sticking them in the Browns. So he'll go in there, he'll play cornerback, might play opposite uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, maybe that goes to Newsom and Hill becomes a, a, a slot. I, who knows? Point being is that they complement their drafts with the free agent signings. And they do so in, in a solid manner, right? I mean, Joe, J- John Johnson for 3 for 33 is a great signing. So you add Hill in there too. So now, not only are you going to have Hill and you're going to have Newsom, but you're going to have Denzel Ward on the other side. Uh, other side, you also have Greedy Williams. Although he, you know, he started 12 of 12 when he actually played in 19 as a rookie. He struggled and then he missed all the last year. People have been saying he might be out of there. So maybe Greedy Williams is part of that secondary rotation. Maybe he's not. Um, but I, I, uh, Kevin Johnson signed last year. Um, so you got Newsom now, Hill, John Johnson. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, depending on what happens with him. It's just the complimentary draft, free agency, draft, free agency, and they've done it really well here in the past couple of years. But wait, there's more. Outside of Troy Hill, what else do they do? First Johnson, then Newsom, then Hill. Well, then they went out and they drafted Jeremiah Awusu Karamoa. God, I, I, I practiced endlessly to get this straight so I just didn't have to say J-O-K but I think I screwed it up Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa I'm just going to go J-O-K from here on in right so like C-E-H it's just easier to say it rather than fuck up the name so they end up drafting him at 52 from Notre Dame and he they ended up they got up seven spots with Carolina to grab him so, again, here we go with the draft picks. But wait, there's more. Jadavion Clowney. You remember him. He was the number one draft pick. He ends up signing with the Browns. So, they get a number one draft pick. Now, Clowney has not turned into the professional talent that you thought when he came out of South Carolina. Because when he was coming out of South Carolina, he had Lawrence Taylor-esque type hype. I mean, he, it was ridiculous what people saw on tape. And it just didn't really matter. I mean, people thought that he was going to be a tremendous pass rusher. He turned out to be a better run defender than an actual pass rusher. 
However, um, it, it, the pass rushing didn't really come along, and his career has been good but not great. Regardless, it's a great addition to a team like the Browns, who, as we just talked about, for how many moves? One, two, three, four. This is their fifth move, all on the defensive side of the ball. And they're not done yet because then they go out and they sign Malik Jackson from Philly for the interior line. So they're going to put him at deep tackle. And wait, there's more. Uh, I'll throw one more out there, and this is another defensive one. And this is not, I, I mean, I don't know, I, I might have flown on the Raider college radar. College uh, fans might have noted it. Seminole fans might have noted it. Maybe some average NFL fans. But they ended up signing defensive tackle Marvin Williams. Remember him from F- FSU. Big dude. Solid in college. He was 6'4", 303. He ended up going undrafted. I mean, he's a big interior lineman. Going undrafted doesn't mean you're terrible. For whatever reason, nobody thought that you could help their team at the time. But they go out and sign him. So they get a big-bodied rookie with potential uh, also on the cheap. So there you have a total of seven moves all on the defensive side of the ball. So what could possibly go wrong? I mean, look at this step chart right now. And we'll talk about the defense first and then go to offense. But at the two ends, you have Garrett and Clowney. Inside, you got Billings and Jackson. Uh, linebackers, you got Taki, Taki, Walker, and then JOK as the linebackers. In the backfield, the cornerbacks, you got Hill and Ward. Safeties, you've got Harrison and Joe Johnson, right? So, um, what what really is there to knock on that? I mean, it's right here. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid right there. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball, also kind of solid, right? Running backs, you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You have a wide receiver, OBJ, OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Rashard Higgins coming in the third spot, right? Tight end, Hooper, Bryant, and you have Najaku on the bench. And he was going to be awesome until he got hurt. And then, you know, then you got the line. Uh, You know, what it is. If you're big line guys, Wills, but Tonio, Treader, Teller, and Conklin, right? Here is where all, all of the fanfare that you hear around this team... It just comes to a colossal crashing halt because under center, you have Baker Mayfield. And that, my friends, is where the cookie crumbles. I'm sorry. You could tell me all you want all day about how good the Cleveland Browns are going to be. I am not a professional football analyst. I've watched enough football in my days, however, to tell you with confidence that Baker Mayfield is not going to get it done. He's not. I'm sorry. That guy is a disgrace to the uniform. That's aggressive, Mike. That's a little too aggressive for me. Can't really say that. But I will say 
for a number one draft pick that had all the hype in the world, and I heard so much the terminology moxie. Fucking moxie. Mox. Hey, what are you doing, mox? A little uh, varsity blues action. Hey, mox. Who is his girlfriend in that one? The blonde? Um, Damn it, I forget. Ah, whatever. Anyway, um, Moxie in Baker Mayfield. You could have all the Moxie that you want. The dude's short, and he short arms balls left and right. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out why people actually think that this guy can get it done. Because I haven't seen it. And let me tell you, OBJ definitely seems to be, after a couple of years in Cleveland, more of a system-wide receiver than an actual all-around wide receiver, wide receiving talent. Because for the Giants, no shit, he was good for at least three wins a year. Him alone could net you three wins. Close game, OBJ was going to tilt the fi- tilt the game in favor of the Giants at least three times. He was that good. Tremendous speed, ran great routes, uh, phenomenal hands. I mean, you know, uh, him, Moss, some of the other people that came along, uh, you know, earlier. Um, who else? Uh, what was when the other uh, wide receivers? They always got tons of catches with them, with making crazy catches. I'm talking about one-hand catches and all these acrobatic catches and doing stuff that, you know, it was always like two hands on the ball and everything. Um, he played uh, He played for the 49ers early 2000s. I can't think of it offhand. But um, the one that I'm forgetting, along with people like OBJ and Randy Moss, because now they got the whole, uh, you got Moss, bullshit. Um between his speed, his route running, his catchability, OBJ was awesome. And then he went to the Browns, and it was a disaster. It just has not worked out. I'm sorry. And you could say a ton of things. You could blame it on him, his lack of maturity. Now he's become injury-prone. It was maybe a little bit of everything, but to me, the number one reason that he didn't work was because the system never catered to his strengths. And Baker Mayfield doesn't cater to his strengths. And that's just a fact. And the fact that Baker Mayfield can't figure out how to utilize somebody like OBJ or at least work with the offensive coordinators to figure out a way to maximize that relationship is just mind-numbing. I don't understand it. Right? Jarvis Landry's had a good job, good, good couple of years here. Jarvis Landry isn't the talent that OBJ is. So if Jarvis Landry is excelling and OBJ is not, uh, taking away the injury factor, etc., something is going wrong. Now, sure, maybe it's the coaches. Who knows? I tend to think that the great quarterbacks can identify the players they want to get the ball to. And they know who the best players on the field are. And they get on the goddamn ball. And sure, some... Receivers are prima donnas, and that kind of thought process blows up teams in offensive chemistry. Um, I don't think that's the case here. Uh, I mean, I know that there was obviously contention, and OBJ got mad a bunch because he didn't get the ball. But it, it's just not a, 
that's not as big a factor as the simple fact that Mayfield doesn't use him. Doesn't look for him. And I have yet to see his command of a game and his athletic performance at a level that I could jump on board with all of the fanfare that has come the Browns' way this year. (laughs) I just can't do it. And I'm afraid for Browns fans, it's going to be a real rude awakening when the year starts out. And I'm not saying that that the Browns are going to be terrible. No, you can't have this amount of talent and a coach like Stefanski and be bad. It would be very difficult. Again, barring injuries and you know, unforeseen black swan events. But I just don't see them ripping through playoff success with Mayfield at the helm. And then you're going to have a couple of questions going forward that are going to be, you know, you have Chubb and you have Hunt in the backfield. Great tandem. Chubb was the same draft as Saquon Barkley. And he is in a much different position than Barkley is to negotiate a new contract. Because Chubb was a second round pick. He wasn't the first, uh, he, was, he wasn't the second overall pick. So his pay to this point has been much less. So he's going to be looking for his payday. Because, I, I mean, he's obviously going to be eyeing Saquon. And he might actually just sit. Well, I don't think he's going to sit, right? Because he's going to want a payday. So, but I don't. they didn't resign him now. So you're going to be going in to next year with Chubb and Barkley. And say Barkley has a monster year. And Chubb has a monster year. You're going to see those two trying to go toe-for-toe for the biggest running back re-signings. And the teams are going to have to decide, do we want to invest this kind of money into the running back position? And for Chubb and Barkley, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think that Barkley probably has more command of his future than Chubb because the Giants have just invested so much into Barkley at this point. And the Maras historically are not an ownership uh, family who w- that embraces burning bridges like that, right? I mean, it, it's it's why uh, Coughlin stayed for way past his welcome, and you know that's that second Super Bowl and it just screws everything up. But he probably has more command than Chubb. Chubb's probably out the door. And the other factor that's going to play into the Chubb signing is that Baker Mayfield's also going to be due a new contract. So the the Browns are going to have this year after going eleven and five last year, eleven and five last year, and they're going to go into this year and they're going to say, "Hey, look, we've got to see some solid playoff returns before we start throwing money down the throats of Mayfield and Chubb." And obviously, as a quarterback, Mayfield is going to be driving his own ship here. Because if he has a monster year and and shows the moxie that you want to see and shows actually good performance to follow it, then he's going to command a huge salary and the Browns are going to have to pay it. But if he stinks up the joint, and let's say they go 10-6 and six and are wild cards and get bounced, right, then I don't know if you're the Browns, what do you do? Because in today's 
age of the NFL, the quarterback position is sees a lot of roster churn because teams are not willing to continually commit to a project that is not working out. I mean, it's just, there's not a lot of teams that do it. They'd rather, I mean, Marcus Mariota, right? I mean, it wasn't working out, and off he went. Uh, the Ryan Tannehill, wasn't working out, off he went. I mean, the teams just don't stick with these guys that much anymore. They play them early, and then they're out. Sam Darnold, boom, here, gone, see ya. Thanks for playing, we're trading you, have fun wherever you go. Because you see teams that continually stick with these these middling quarterbacks, and you see their performance. Hi, Raiders, how you doing? Your organization's terrible. Oh, come on, Donnie. Come on. That's not fair. Um, but it's true. The Raiders are terrible. Sorry, Raider fans. Um, but it it's true that, you know, you see the Raiders commit to Carr and give him another contract, and why? I mean, what? Why him? That's crazy. It's crazy. And Mayfield, to me, feels like a similar type of player. Now, he'll probably go out there this year and light it up and make me look like a fool, and Brown fans will say, yeah, yeah, you, you suck. That's why I don't listen to your podcast. That's why you get a couple of streams, and, and that's it. Well, maybe so. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty confident in what I see when I watch football. And I don't like what I see there. Not to mention, they're in the north, right? And so, you're going to have Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati's a work in project. Pro- work in progress. However, Joe Burrow was good last year until he got hurt. And if you look at Joe Burrow and then you look at Baker Mayfield, I mean... It's like night and day, right? I mean, it's Burrow every day over over Mayfield. I mean, it's not even a question. And then you have Baltimore, who is you know, next to New England, the most consistent, solid team in the NFL. And Pittsburgh, who... I, Tomlin stinks as a coach, but, I mean, their team is in it every single year, regardless. So they figure out a way to get it done. And so, you know, Mayfield's going to have to overcome even all the all the moves that they made last year. They're going to have to overcome those three teams. Plus, they're going to have to overcome Baker Mayfield and turn that into something. And I hope for a football club that has struggled as mightily as the Browns have struggled. I hope, I hope they pull it off. Because everybody should be able to experience a little bit of a championship run in their lifetime. Lions fans, you too. Dan Soup Campbell is an ex-giant. The guy's a complete and absolute meathead. But I'm pulling for him. Pulling for him. Like the old school, shit-talking, stupid-sounding head coach. All for it. All for it. Fire it up. Um, But I hope Cleveland could also see such success. Uh, I hope all these teams sometime in people's lifetimes uh, turn around and are 
allow a fan to enjoy what a Super Bowl run feels like. I just, unfortunately, don't know if this is going to be that year for the Browns. Everybody thinks it is. I'm not sure if I do. Of course, I'm hoping for Browns fans on the minority. And as a Giant fan, I don't really care because I wouldn't see it until the Super Bowl anyway. So, uh, And those were my thoughts for this Monday Turn Tuesday little podcast. Hope you enjoyed. I will talk to you soon. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe four days from now or whenever you listen to the next podcast. Or when I record it. It's just a fluid situation, folks. Enjoy uh, your days, your nights, whenever you might be listening to this. And I will talk to you again soon. Well, I won't talk to you. You'll listen to me. Audi. Audi.